father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Today is episode 167 with Coach Israel Engel. Coach Izzy Engel is entering his sixth season as the head men's basketball coach at Timbanganos High School. The T-Wolves won three straight regional championships in 2017, 18, and 19, where Coach Engel was named Coach of the Year in 2017 and 18 by the Utah High School Basketball Coaches Association. Izzy hit a major milestone last year on December 20th, 2018, when he won his 200th game as a head coach. Prior to coming to Tombaganos High School, Izzy was the head men's coach at Gordon State College in Barnesville, Georgia, from 2007-2014. The Highlanders averaged 21.7 wins a season over his last three years and won the 2012 NJCAA Region 17 Championship and the National Junior College Athletic Association District 13 Championship. Izzy was named the National Junior College Athletic Association District 13 Coach of the Year and is the youngest head coach in Georgia junior college history to lead a team to the national tournament in Hutchinson, Kansas. Shortly after his departure, Coach Ingalls inducted into the Gordon State College Athletic Hall of Fame. Overall, he's been named Coach of the Year on four separate occasions. Before his coaching experience at Gordon State, Izzy was a member of the coaching staff at Kennesaw State University 2006-2007 and played at Kennesaw State from 2002 to 2006. The Fighting Owls won two Peach Belt Conference regular season championships in 2004 and 2005, a Peach Belt Conference tournament championship in 2004 an NCAA Division II South Atlantic Region Championship 2004 and were crowned the NCAA Division II National Champions 2004. Izzy finished his playing career as the all-time winningest player in KSU history with an overall playing record of 97-38. and 38. 
Coach Izzy Engel has a bachelor's degree in sports management from Kennesaw State University and a master's degree in sports management from Georgia Southern University. He is married to the former Candace Johnson from Orem, Utah, Timbagnos graduate, 2001. And they have four daughters, Isabel, Ivy, Indy, and Isla. So let's welcome Coach Izzy Engel. Coach Engel. Hey, Coach, how's it going? Hey, good morning to you. Hey, morning to you, too. <laughs> well, actually, it's afternoon. <laughs> but, uh, man, I appreciate you joining me, man. I, it was a treat the other day talking to your dad. Uh, um, always inspiring, man. I love your dad, man. He's just a great person. So it's, it's great, uh, great to have you on to share with us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, I, I listened to that one with my dad. He's he's awesome. He's he's got a lot of knowledge and wisdom throughout the years. So it's always fun to hear him. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and you know what they always say about uh, a coach's son, man. I mean, it's it's. I, I bet there was about uh, your youth, kind of growing up in a sports family and so forth. Your dad was a coach. Uh, what impact did that have on you becoming a coach? Because I knew you grew up with the game. Yeah, it was, I mean, we grew up way different than most people. Um, even from like, I don't even know if a lot of people know this. Some some people who have been around, especially in the South, would remember, but we were doing halftime shows for NBA and college teams when we were little kids called the Little right. Riots. Uh, so I was 17 months old doing halftime shows for, you know, Atlanta Hawks or Georgia Tech. So I, I, I don't have any... You know, like my first memories are being in a gym with my brothers and my sister and my dad, you know, uh, listening to some Elvis Presley uh, playing basketball. So uh, just like the, the family atmosphere that we had, it was awesome for us, too, because, you know, coaches sometimes as they're climbing the ladder, they take different jobs and they, they move around a little bit. But we always, you know, we had a big family and we always had each other. We always had the game of basketball. Uh, so it was, it was, it was awesome growing up. It was amazing going to games, going to practices. Um, and then, you know, you just, you learn and see things a lot different when you're, when you're growing up in that environment, like, uh, like, like the night after a loss sure, is <laughs> a lot different when your dad's the coach <clears throat> than it is for like, you know, other kids. And, and, you know, like we, we, we grew up and, moved around a little bit and then you know dad loses his job because his team wasn't winning games and it's like so so winning means a whole lot more to me than it does 99.9 percent of the people who you know are come to the games or play for me or whatever but they just don't understand since I was like two years old I was like hey if we won we got to you know we got to you know go stop and eat on the way home after the game <laughs> and if we lost we didn't say anything Right. And that, um, I mean, so, I mean, really, you, you know, just, just growing up like that and so forth, did, um, did that leave more of a, Hey man, this is what I really want to do. And some kids I do know, Hey man, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with this. <laughs> I mean, and it sounds like that's <laughs> like you really, cause according to your dad, he said, I mean, he just absolutely loves you. loves what the job you're doing. I've heard so many great things. Man, you took on to this coaching and said, man, this is what I want to do for the rest of my career. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's what I love about basketball is really it's it's life lessons that you get to apply, uh, that you learn from the game that you get to apply to your life. Um, I've seen, you know, people's lives change because they have something to to do, to work on, to to build on, to dream for, to aspire for. Um, and I, yeah, I just seeing my dad coach, um, seeing the things that he would get you know, players to buy in and all that kind of stuff. I just loved it. And then I, I played for him in college. Mm-hmm. If you want to call it that, I, I sat the bench a lot for him in college, <laughs> um, but right. I, ha- I had a jersey. So, so really, it was kind of the growing up wasn't so much. I knew I wanted to coach, but when I went and played for him at co- in college, that's when I really knew this is what I wanted to do. Yeah, and I saw that you had you're, you're like the um, one player has the all time wins. In Kennesaw State history, that's pretty amazing, man. I know, I know you spread that. I know you share that a lot with people, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't tell them how many points I average, but I'm pretty quick to say I won the most games. But I'm sure those points go up every year as you get older, right? You know, you keep telling, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's how the myth that's how the myth is created, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I timed it perfect right before the internet really took yeah. off, so they can't research everything, but. <laughs> Uh, but but no and really it's it's great that I played for him but didn't get a whole lot of playing time until like my my senior year really because now I get to relate to those players sure that I coach who don't get a whole lot of playing time and it's really kind of tough for them and their parents in the high school setting that are like you know I, I know they they want their kids to play and I'm like look I played for my dad in college and I still didn't play a whole lot so like I understand what you're coming from and, and you know what you're going through so it's been great to actually happen and I was just blessed to be on amazing teams with some just outstanding phenomenal players and and we won a lot of games and a lot of championships in those four years yeah you pretty much your program I would now tell me if I'm wrong coach that your program kind of sick because right now you know Kennesaw State's division one did, were you guys the foundational team that kind of really established the program to where it is now Yes. So my, so we won the national championship my sophomore year and we were division two, but we were better than a lot of division one teams. Uh, We came out, we played Utah Valley, which is down the street from where I am now. And they had like two NBA players. We beat them by 35. Mm. Um, So yeah, it was rough at their place too. I kind of mentioned that when I'm in the, in the, in the city as well here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right. But yes, we, we won the national championship my sophomore year in division two. Uh, the next year we won the the conference championship, conference tournament championship, once the NCAA tournament. And then my my senior year was the first official year, the inaugural season uh, for Division One at Kennesaw. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So I got to see the, the transition from D2 to D1. How was that? Just tell me. And I know, you know, this is, you know, I love kind of studying how people kind of got into coaching. I think this is a big part of it. How was that? going from division two to division one, actually, I, I don't recall that. Uh, kind of tell us a little bit there. Was it a good transition? Uh, how'd you all compete at the D one level? Yeah, it was a, it was a tough transition. And depending on where you are in the country, like in, in the state of Utah, we don't, I think we have one division two school. And so people don't really understand how tough and competitive two is like the peach belt conference in Georgia. Well, it's Georgia, like South Carolina, Florida, right. Like our, our conference was tough. Um, so we went D2 to D1. It was a tough transition for some of the reasons of like 
uh, transfer rules and keeping like kids eligible that may have been eligible division two. Like we had an amazing player, Eagle, who transferred from Nebraska. Uh, so he's a D1 transfer to a D2 school. And then we went from D2 to D1. And even though it was the same school, I think they counted as like another transfer. So he had to sit out a year. Oh, man. So it was like just kind of some growing pains early. But the, the competition level, you know, elevated a little bit, a little bit more um, as far as the conference goes. Um, but the transition was just, I mean, we still did pretty good. We were, I think we were competitive, maybe somewhere around 500. Uh, but we were playing teams like, you know, I don't even know, Wichita State, Kansas State, which is a little bit different than some of the lower D2s that you might play. Yeah, right, for sure. And and they're still building there. Kennesaw State's still trying. They've had some good seasons, man, but it's tough, man. The competition at the D1 level is so tough, but it looks like it really helped the school. You guys really established that program. I know you take a lot of pride in that. Who else – kind of shape your philosophy we know your dad had a big impact on you is there anybody else that currently or shape your philosophy that could have been a high school coach could have been a college coach who really kind of helped shape your philosophy that what you're using now oh man you know i my like x's and o's philosophy <laughs> i've gotten from a lot of different people um as far as like the the building the team unity building the team concept pretty much, I mean, 90% of that comes from my dad and then things that I pick up from other. So X's and O's I picked up from some other people, but a lot of like the building a team, building a culture, a lot of that's from my dad. So um, it's kind of tough to stay because there's so many people that can affect you or impact you. Mm -hmm. And and it might be something so small um, that they don't realize it, but I've learned from a lot of different people. Uh, X's and O's, especially a lot of things I've taken from other people, X's and O's wise. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, there's so many people. I mean, really the first thing I do when I get a job, which luckily I've only had to do it twice. Um, I, I try not to bounce around like some, you know, a lot of people do, which is fine if that's what they're into. But, sure. um, but as soon as I get a job, I'm, I'm pretty lucky that I, don't really have an ego at all (laughs) like I think a lot of coaches act like they know everything and they want everybody to think they know everything but for me I go who's the best coach at the level that I'm going to and how can I learn and what what I need to learn so when I left Gordon and came to well when I first got the job at at Gordon which is a junior college I was unbelievably young I just turned 23 and uh, my point guard was 28 so that was interesting um, but, right. but I called, I called some, you know, the best, you know, first off, I talked to my dad, took notes cause he had coached junior college. I called uh, coach Barnes was down at Tallahassee community college. He had one of the top programs in the country. Uh, and I just try to pick the brains of other people. When I got the job at Timpanogos going from junior college to high school, you know, basketball is similar, but how are you successful in that, you know, in, in the high school level? So first thing I did was, I just signed two players from Miller Grove. Right. So I had a really good relationship with Sharma White. So I called Sharma White and talked to him multiple times. And he helped me a lot figure out how to build a successful high school program. So Sharma White was the best high school coach and probably is the best high school coach in the state of Georgia. Probably ever. I don't know. Um, (laughs) And then there's a guy out here, Quincy Lewis, 
who did it in Utah. And he had won, I think, six state championships uh, in the state of Utah. So first thing I wanted to do was talk to the people who were the best at the level I was going to and learn from them. So sorry, kind of rambling, but I just always try to learn from who's been there before, what they've done. Charmin White, Quincy Lewis helped me be a really good, well, I don't know if I'm there yet, but they've helped with building high school. Yeah, and you're building a great program there from what I've researched and so forth. And I actually had Charmin White uh, on my podcast, um, and he's right now at Pace Academy in Atlanta, just won the state championship um, <laughs> this past year, and he's going to continue to win. At, oh. at, and uh, unbelievable coach. Give me something that maybe Charmin shared with you, just one thing that might help us coaches out. Uh, the, man, he is unbelievable. Like, I know he went to Georgia State, then he went to Pace, and I saw these won the state championship, and that's no surprise at all if, if you know him or have had one conversation with him. Um, I, the one thing that I learned from him um, that, that really sticks out, there's a lot, and I, I kept my notes from six years ago when I was talking to him. I, I go back and look at him sometimes. Right. But the one thing that he said about high school, and it's huge, is he said, no one, you know, no one holds the parents accountable. He said, so I want to hold our parents accountable. You know, parents, it's really easy to sit in the stands and parents say, coach should have done this or that other player should have done this. And he says, well, what are you doing to make sure that your son's ready? You know, and right. so I take that a step further and I go, you know, if, if, you know, if you got arrested for being a good basketball player, is there enough evidence to convict you? Are you keeping charts mm-hmm. of your kid's shooting? Are you making sure that he's going to 5.30 a.m. workouts? Yeah, and good point. Stuff like that. So that's the one thing is finding a way to get the parents <laughs> on board and hold, and hold parents accountable for their kids and their kids' actions. Yeah, that's a great – I mean, that's um, – I think that's probably um, – I'm actually doing some podcasts on, you know, helping their, you know, parents and kids in athletics. And it's amazing. We don't do enough. And, and – about about really getting our parents on our side and connecting with parents because that's that's a big part of the equation, right? Oh, exactly. That's that's really the turning point, I think, of our program. So when I got here, they'd only had one winning season in the previous thirteen years. Okay, and they, and it was a twelve and eleven. It was a barely above five hundred. And you know, I'm like, hey, you know, I've been around, win national championship as a player. I was on a division one staff for a year, coaching college for seven years, you know, roll in here and parents are just going to understand that I know what I'm doing. And (laughs) I think most coaches know that that's not always the case. Um, And I I was kind of upset. I was like, man, why don't they just let me, you know, just let me coach kind of leave me alone, let me coach. And that was my first year too. And, And not, not like they were all bad. There's most of them were, amazing but just a couple here and there you know that they kind of caused some problems and what i did was i was actually we're big on points per possession we shoot threes layups and free throws right so we don't shoot a whole lot of mid-range we're, we're kind of into that well not kind of we are into that and so if, if you shoot a 12 footer in the game our rule is you have to make it <laughs> so if you can't make it you're not going to shoot it so you better be really confident in your ability to make that shot so we don't shoot a lot of mid-range. And I'm watching film uh, um, from one of our games, and, and the camera's right by the parent section. And I can hear a couple parents yelling, 
shoot the mid range, shoot the mid range, shoot the mid range, you know, <laughs> 12 footers right. open. And that's when it hit me that I need to do a better job myself of educating our parents and letting them know the expectations of our kids mm-hmm. because the kids go into practice every single day. And I'm telling him, you're never allowed to shoot the mid, you're basically never allowed to shoot the mid range. Then they go home and the dinner table, you know, mom or dad is saying, Hey, you need to knock down that 12 footer. And it hurts the kids. It puts the kids in a tough spot. Right. So now what I do is we have a, we have a meeting before the season starts. Well, at the end of one season and the beginning of the next, and it's our basketball philosophy. And we teach the parents to be an extension of our coaching staff. So here are the questions you should talk to your kids about at home. Here are the things that we do. Now we all work together to build this program. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think we all have, that's a great point. I think we all have parent meetings, coach. I don't, I mean, but I think you went, so I'm assuming you went in more depth, more detail on what exactly, I mean, very rarely in my parent meeting, I'm going over offensive system. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's usually like, Hey, you got to fundraise this amount and you know, here's our golf tournament dates or whatever you're doing. Right. But yeah, so I, that's what I did. I, I took it a step (laughs) further. So, um, and kind of, I try to educate them and explain to them because it was tough for me in college, you know, the players all live in the same dorm. So they go to practice, they go back to the dorm and they're talking about everything that we just talked about at practice. So everybody's (laughs) on the same page, but in high school, they go, to 16 different houses right and so they could be learning something different so i thought if we can educate our parents teach them our offensive philosophy teach them our defensive philosophy now when the kids go home they're still getting the same information that they would have gotten at practice right i love the idea matter of fact i'm you know i'm going to steal i I haven't done that much i i connect with my parents a lot but i haven't done that much um even this year you know, we are going to have actually more invitation uh, invites to practice. We want to we want to make sure they know what they're doing. I have pretty good parents. A lot of my parents are involved, but I really like that. I really like that meeting, man. Get the film out. I mean, you got to yeah. I bet you get after them a little bit. <laughs> this is how we do it. Uh, kind of give us a sample of that a little bit of the meeting. You know, do you use film? Do you I mean, what do you do? Yeah, we have we have a little bit of film and then. The, to me, the main reason is, is this is what we do, but the main reason is why we're doing it. Right. So I put up like the uh, points per possession, right? And we break down and I put up a shooting chart from the previous season and show where our highest points per possession is. And we break down that points per possession. I mean, even Michael Jordan was only 45% from mid-range. So <clears throat> sure. he would have been, been better off being a 30% three-point shooter and he's getting more points per shot attempt if and you know i break down all the math so if you know yeah we take a a hundred trips down the court and we shoot 45 percent from mid-range we're only getting 90 points if we take a hundred trips and we shoot an average of 33 percent from threes we're getting 99 points so it just kind of adds up so i break down the why we're doing it show them like our shot chart uh I'll send out like our offense to everyone. I'll send it to our competitors. I don't care who like, this is what we're going to do. Um, this is how we're going to do it. And this is why we're going to do it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, what that, it also says, you have confidence in your program. <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah, Absolutely. you just got, cause everybody knows everything about, you know, to, specifically today. I mean, uh, but I love that idea, coach. I really, I really praise you on that. Talk about Quincy Lewis. Uh, what did you learn from him? Oh man, he is, he's a basketball genius. He really is. And, and, <laughs> and I was fortunate. And actually when I first got to Utah, they had bid one like the national championship in 2012 or 2013 at Lone Peak. Right. And just destroyed teams. Um, and so when I got to Utah and I was recruiting Charmin White's kids and talking to him, he was like, Hey, we really, he had Miller Grove. We really want to come play Lone Peak. Um, so we actually set up that game where Lone Peak came out. I mean, Miller Grove came out to Utah and played Lone Peak. So I cool. got to see those yeah. guys go, go at it. But, and that's, that's another thing is, you know, it's, they're both spectacular high school coaches, but different regions, right? One's in Georgia, one's in Utah. Now I want to be the best coach in, or not, I don't care about being the best coach. I want to have the best program in the state of Utah. So how did Quincy do it? So uh, luckily he was here for like a year and then he joined the staff at BYU. And so it took me like two years to sit down with him, but he's amazing. He, he took time out of his day a couple times to sit down and talk. And he really taught me, um, to go, to go down into the youth. Like in college, you know, if you, you have a missing part, you go recruit to fit that part. But in high school, you can't really do that. So he's like, it takes more time to build a high school program. <laughs> and so if you want to build it right, you've got to go get third graders and fourth graders and start teaching them, you know, how to play the right way, start teaching them your system. So kids in our program, they run our offense from like fifth grade up. Right. Sure. So by the time they get to us, they've already done you know, most of it. We don't break <laughs> it down too much. But that was the thing that Quincy taught me was you, you can't recruit good players. So you've got to build them. So go start building, start working with younger kids, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And then you'll see it pay off later because it's not about having like I don't want to win one state <laughs> championship. I want to win a bunch. I don't want the best team in the state. I want the best program in the state. So to have that consistency over time, you got to start with young kids. Yeah, um, yeah, very much so. I think you're, all your top programs are doing that. Um, tell me about, um, you know, the high school basketball in Utah, because I was just going to ask you, like, you got two programs that are national, and tell me if I'm wrong. You got Lone Peak and you got, what, Wasatch Academy, correct? Yeah, Wasatch Academy. That, uh, I mean, there's some good basketball in Utah. Now, is it more than that, though? I, I, know, I know you have, of course, your program uh, and so forth, but tell me what the, what the basketball's like in Utah. Oh, man, I, I love it out here. Utah is a basketball state. I mean, it's cold. It snows in the winters. Um, I think it trickles down from, you know, the only professional team that we have is the Utah Jazz. So okay. there's no, like – you know, football's pretty big, but there's no NFL team. There's no Atlanta Braves. There's no, you know, there's the Utah Jazz. That's the big ticket. Um, so it's a basketball state. And, you know, the fans love it. Um, I mean, we have the best fans in the state. Like, we, I, I recruit fans. I can't recruit players, so I recruit fans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the, the atmospheres at some of these games is, is better than you'll see at a lot of colleges. And, and the players – it's kind of it's it, it's an interesting state. There's some players that are just big, big time players. Like Frank Jackson played at Lone Peak back when they played against Miller Grove, and Frank Jackson went to Duke and is in the NBA. 
So there's always like a couple like big, big time players, but then there's a whole bunch of really good players. Um, you know, it's a different kind of style of basketball. There's a little less athleticism, but a whole lot more fundamentals. Right. It's almost like a uh, mini Kentucky in a way, kind of. That's what it looks like to me. Just, yeah. from, just from the outside, yep. um, I, I actually lived and worked in Kentucky for a year. But, um, but you know, there's so much – I mean, it's amazing. That's why I try to contact so many different coaches from different states. Man, basketball in this country is amazing. I mean, we got, we got, we got good players all over the place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. And now, you know, with the internet – they're, they're getting the exposure that they need. You know, before you could have a really good player at, you know, Pace in Utah, no one hears about him. But now there's one, you know, we had that in our region, we had a seven foot four kid two years ago that went to Utah and now transferred to St. Mary's. But, but yeah, now it's like the exposure is kind of getting out. But yeah, basketball, it's great everywhere. And I love it because it's, it's great everywhere, but it kind of is a little bit different depending on where you are. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you played and you coached in Georgia. So, you know, and actually, um, you might recognize this name, Coach Lynn West. Um, oh, yeah. Was was at Gordon. He, he was a good friend of mine, passed away recently. Yeah. I actually, um, I run a clinic out here uh, at my school and I named the clinic after him. But wow. um, we, we were really good friends. But he man, he talked about his Gordon days, man, all the time. <laughs> Um, but that's, tell me about that because I think Lynn came in and kind of revised it and it sounds like you did the same thing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and I love Lynn West. He, he's awesome. Um, but yeah, so my, my dad actually, they had the, the program back in like the fifties and sixties and then they dropped it. So they hired my dad. My dad coached at Gordon from I think about 85 to 88 or no, 80, yeah, 85, 88. And then Lynn came after him. And so he, and he was there till like 93, 94, I think, and did a really good job. Um, But funding and stuff like that fell through. So they ended up dropping the program on him. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coach West, man. Funny story. First time I ever met him, we're about to walk out to practice. And uh, my player's like, coach, there's a, there's a guy in the parking lot. He says he needs to see you and he's got his trunk open. And, (laughs) And we were in a little bit of a different part of town. So I'm like, Ooh. I don't know what this is about. This could be rough. I walk out there yeah. as Coach West, and he had the banners in his trunk from when he won the championship and was a runner-up. So he they, they were throwing the banners away. He kept the banners. So first time I met him, he was returning the banners that he had won at Gordon and, and bringing them back to me when we started the program back. Oh, man, that's cool. He's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and he's – um, and of course, he tells me about – and apparently he had some really good players that, but it, it sounded like he just built it from the ground up and he was picking up kids from all over the place. Uh, and it sounds like a Gordon, you probably have to do that, right? Yeah. The, the junior college level is tough. Um, and they dropped the program, I think 93 <clears throat> and um, they were going to start it back. And I was very fortunate to get hired. I, they offered me the job before I graduated college. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was interesting. So yeah, they hired me back to start the program. First year we, we couldn't play in the postseason. So they were like, okay, first year, no postseason, no scholarships. Uh, you don't really have any money for uh, travel for a bus. <laughs> we're making, right. we're making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. 
Yeah. Um, I'm driving the van, a 15 passenger van to different games and loading the guys up and driving home and, uh, just building it. But you gotta, you know, you gotta get players, you gotta get them however you can get guys to, to come want to build and be a part of something. And I was fortunate. I mean, I, I wasn't married. I was young enough where I was still good enough to play. So I went to, I went to gyms, I went to outdoor courts and I was just doing whatever I could to find players to get it started. And we got it started. We won, ended up five years later going to the national tournament in Kansas, uh, winning our district championship. But yeah, it just junior college is tough. Yeah, but it sounds like to me you really learned how to build a program. And I think I don't think a lot of coaches get credit for building programs. They might not win the championships, but it sounds like you really built it from scratch. What did you learn from that to carry it over now? I bet you I bet I bet that really sharpened your skills, right? To do what you're doing now, building this program. Give me some of your non-negotiables. What are you what are you guys built on? Oh man, that's we're we have Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I've been working hard to build an online basketball school to help players and coaches. I'd love for you to check it out at puresweatbasketball.com. Non-negotiables are so non-negotiable that I don't even have them written out. It's <laughs> sure it's ingrained in their soul what we do. Mm-hmm. And I always want like I want people, I want my players to be in a gym five years later and someone say, Oh my gosh, you play hard. Where did you play? <laughs> you know, so I played at Gordon or I played at Tempanogos. So for us, we're we're effort, energy, and accountability. And then that's what we do every day. We have our C's that we do. So we have communicate. We're going to communicate better than every team in the state. We concentrate. We're going to think better. We're going to not just be at practice physically. We're going to be there mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Some kids, you know, they punch in and punch out like it's their time clock. That's not us. Right. For us, we're building a culture. So culture, each strategy for breakfast. So it's about culture for us. So we communicate, we concentrate, and we compete in everything that we do. And then we just, key to greatness is consistency. Anybody can be great once, anybody can make a shot once, who can do it the most consistently. And so we have those, those are up in our locker room. Communicate, concentrate, compete, and consistency. Yeah, and and I, I guarantee you're fighting for that every day, right? I mean, so I know it's not that easy for you, so... Kind of give me an example. Uh, give me an example of, you know, how you create tremendous effort in your program. Uh, accountability. Uh, I think, you know, one thing I learned from my dad. One of the things is the best way to motivate a team is to get rid of someone who's not motivated. So if we're in practice one day and this kid's just not, he's not working, he's not making his time. You know, we give him chances. And then we'll we'll kick them down. We call it the sophomore gym in Utah. We have a sophomore team practicing at the same time as varsity. So, <laughs> so if you're not doing it, I mean, it has nothing to do with who you are, how many points you average, who your parents are. It's if you're not giving us your max effort every single day, you're going to either go practice with the sophomore <laughs> team or you're going to stand on the side and 
build your effort up while we're practicing. So I know that sounds terrible and it's like, but that's, that's one thing that we do. And I think honestly, the main thing is the start of building a program, the laying that proper foundation. If your foundation is crooked, your house is going to be built crooked. So now we lay that foundation early and, and now I don't really have to do it as much. And that's when you know your team is special because the players who have come up through our program, they know the expectations. So they go get the other players before it gets to us. So if they catch a player, and this is what makes team special, when the players can implement your culture more than you can, right? Because right. I can say it, and, I'll, and I will, but if I have to say it, that means it's already gotten past our captains. So our, we set that, set that from day one. This is what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's why we're going to do it. And then now it's like it cycles through. So when these seniors are gone, next year's juniors and senior class, they know the expectations. They're going to hold everyone accountable for giving max effort. Right. And that, that, that's a true sign of a program. How do you – um, how do you kind of decide on, I'm not big on captains. I have a leadership committee. Do you have captains or how do you delegate that leadership or you expect every player in your program to show leadership? Yeah, exactly. What you just said at the end. And I love what you just said. That's a great idea to have. You call it a leadership committee. We do. I yes. I'm going to steal that one from you. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that's um, kind of what we do. And I tell our players, we, we have captains, but there's a difference between a captain and a leader. The captain shakes hands with the refs before the game, and the right. leaders take our program where it needs to go. So you, you don't have to be a captain to be a leader, but you, you have to be a leader to be one of the captains. Yeah, that's a great point, Coach, because I know that I, I coach girls, and um, I've been very blessed <laughs> to coach girls. I'm at, I feel like I've learned so much. Um, but um, some of my best leaders are not actually um, vocal. Yeah. That they, they, I'm telling you, my best leaders are by action. Now, now what, what we are teaching them, though, is how to, how to be more vocal, mm -hmm. but do it in the right way. But, man, actions speak a lot, don't Absolutely. they? That's true. And it, it's, it, it is tough to have leaders because different leaders have, you know, different abilities and different ways <laughs> that they lead. And I think when I was at Kennesaw as a player, um, we had a guy named Terrence Hill. He didn't talk a whole lot, but he was the best leader on the court than anybody I've ever seen. I mean, and off the court. I love the guy. But, like, on the floor, he wouldn't say a whole lot. But, man, he led by example. And he could look at you and make you realize you needed to dig deeper in yourself to work harder. So, yeah, finding players and, you know, using their strengths to be a leader. And some might be vocal. Some might do more through example. That's, that's that is the tough one. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I'm very fortunate this year and I, I'm I'm hoping and praying, coach, that uh, we're, we're playing this year. But you never know. It sounds like the numbers are going down. You know, I heard some rumors that hey, you know, could could spark up again. The virus in November. It's like, man, yeah. I got, you know, it's like and I got one of my, you know, because I kind of like you. I, I came into a program that uh, we started it from scratch. Um first year of the program. So now we're going to be in our fifth year. Uh -huh. And I got kids that played for me as eighth graders 
now seniors and they're they're really good now so i'm hoping <laughs> i'm praying that yeah you know oh, what i'm saying yeah. but you know but this is the nationwide this is nationwide so i'm i'm hoping what do you think well, are we going to get back in the plane again oh man you know if, i really hope so obviously i think everybody really hopes so but i think <laughs> it's gonna be different state to state and luckily utah we're we're one of the best states as far as our numbers and as far as our hospital beds and all like the resources that we have. So I know Utah is one of the top, I think five in the state that look prepared. So we're feeling pretty good right. about our chances. Um, I think Georgia was a little, little bit rougher numbers than we have, but I think right. so. It's just, it kills me because with our, with our program, we have two things that we want to do. Number one, we want to win. We're going to win state championships. And number two, we want to be entertaining. Like our games are not right. just games, they're events. And we want the whole school there, packed crowd, throwing out T-shirts, going crazy. So it kind of breaks my heart a little bit to think that we might be cheering different this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's going to be some restrictions. But you're, I think you mentioned a good point. Each state, each yeah. county out here is different. Um, let's talk a little basketball here. And I, I do want to get into the entertainment part a little bit later. But talk about your offensive system. Um and about your team that you have coming back, how are you building your offensive system this year? We so so our system is our is our system, and it's it's our culture, it's our habits. And like I said earlier, they they do it at a young age now, and, and we put it in their heart and soul that this is what we're going to do. Um, so our system, it, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of simple. Um, so we have we we call it the green light system. So we have our okay. green offense and green is go. We're going right. We're fast paced. We're, 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 you know, points per possession. We're threes, layups and free throws. We want to get fouled so we can press. We get up and down. That's our green. And then if, if, if green, you know, if our players are struggling or, and that's freedom, green is freedom. It's an offense. Okay. It's a variation of the dribble drive that I've kind of tweaked a little bit. Um, but we, we go green is go. We want to shoot quick. We want to play quick. Um, and then if we get in a bind or something, I go to yellow, just like, just like a green light or a red light. So we go from green to yellow, yellow. And that's what I, yellow is the offense. I took a lot from my dad in our national championship. And it's, it's our isolations. It's our plays. It's where I have more control. I can attack if, you know, a post player's got four fouls. We've got a play that we can go attack that post. Um, if we got a player that's really hot um, and in green, the free motion, they're not finding him, but he's hit a couple threes. And I go, okay, we want to run a play specific for that guy. We go yellow and then right. I can execute yellow. And then if we have to stall at the end of the game, they're fouling, we go to red. So I have like a green, yellow, red system. Man, I love that. Coach, I, I mean, I, I, I've been coaching a long time. I love how, first of all, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a vision area. You yeah. can see it. Uh, and the players can understand that through that. So that's really good teaching. I really love that. Uh, so I'm going to steal that from you, Coach, <laughs> yes. by the way. I really love awesome. that. Um, now talk about your red. Is that more your delay game? Yeah, it's, it's, it's delay. You know, in high school, it's tough because you don't have <clears> – <throat> you know, 12 players are all Americans. Uh, so you may have a kid in foul trouble and, you know, there's, you got to run a little bit of time off the clock before you go into a set. Uh, so red. Yeah. And, it, and it's just like the red light green is go, go, go yellow. We're yield. 
it's a little bit more calculated. Red is where we're, we're kind of stopped. We're going to run some clock, make them play defense. Um, if we're in foul trouble, we're going to protect our guys from foul trouble. You know, if we have a lead at, at the end of the game, it's a one or two point game. You know, we're going to we're going to stop. We're going to execute. And then we're going to go into one thing or something like that. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, I love that. Um, hey, talk about because um, we're we're a high tempo team. So at the girls level. Man, we're pressing everybody. As soon as you come out yeah. of the locker room, man, we're pressuring. <laughs> uh, now, now we don't have great athletes, but at the girls' level, girls will play hard for you if they believe you. I just oh, want to tell you that. Um, and we get we get after teams, but um, so we're constantly green light. But I do agree with you. There's many times in close games, man, we got to go yellow <laughs> or red. So, um, talk about your green system. Talk about your fast break. Talk about your dribble drive, ball screen, what do you do? Uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm pretty different than <clears throat> most coaches you'll probably ever talk to. We, uh, we don't hardly run any ball screens ever. Um, and, and I kind of have a weird philosophy. I go a lot of, everybody's running ball screens right now. So everybody's working on how to defend ball screens. So if you spend 30 minutes of your practice defending ball screens, you just wasted 30 minutes preparing for us. Um, so we, we spread the floor. Everybody has to be able to shoot. They have to be able to knock down that three. We have a, we have a four out one in green, or we have what we call sunshine, which is a five out green. And it's not so much dribble drive. Uh, I mean, it it is, but kind of less movement. And I got it from a guy named Dave Davis, who was, used to be the head coach at Pfeiffer and Newberry D2 school. We actually played them. In the NCAA tournament, the year we won the national championship, they were averaging 109 points a game. Right. So he he had me come speak at one of his clinics, and it was kind of an invite-only clinic. We just had like 15 coaches there. We were all just sharing ideas, which was phenomenal. Um, and I got to pick his brain on his offense. And then my assistant coach went to be his assistant coach at Newberry. And so I was constantly learning from him. So we actually do less movement. It is the most simplest offense you'll ever see. And it's about doing what's right every single time. Like we're different. Like if you are open and you don't shoot it, we will take you out of the game. <laughs> like you, you get for right. us, you I get like pulled it. out if yeah. you don't shoot. You better have confidence in yourself to knock that shot down. And so we spread the floor and we just open up. Vance Wahlberg calls it, you know, the triple gap and dribble drive. And we create a lot of triple gaps, which is options for the ball handler when he gets in deep he can score hit the big or kick to someone else that's open as a shooter so kind of hard to explain but we create triple gaps where our ball handler has the decision and then first thing there's there's rules that go into it like if you catch it first thing you should do is look to shoot actually before you catch it you should be ready to shoot so you catch you shoot you catch you attack or you catch and you pass but we don't we don't we're not sticky with the ball. That ball doesn't stick in our hands long. We're, we're moving it. We're attack mode all the time. Yeah. And, and you said, uh, Dave Davis Newberry is the where South is Carolina. that? Um, that, okay. That's what I thought. Cause I, I know I, I'm familiar with that. So no, is he still now, there? Uh, he's like an associate head coach for, I want to say like Winthrop or something. But yeah, he's oh, okay. an associate head coach at a division one school now. 
Yeah, yeah, I love to pick his brain. I gotta love his name, man. Dave Davis. What oh, a classic name. He gotta, is phenomenal. Uh, he's he's amazing guy. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I love I love the simplicity, and I, I I feel the same way. Our offense, people always laugh. Um, but you know, there, there's always there's always old school people that that played college or whatever go, Coach Man, you shoot too many threes. And I said, Well, all right, let me show you the huddle um stats that we hire from behind the line than we do from mid-range and i show it to them they go hmm. and they still don't agree with it it's like come on man numbers don't exactly. lie dude. oh yeah there's a lot um, and that's that's the other thing with that parent meeting we have to educate where we're shooting from why we're shooting there and our offense <laughs> but yeah dave davis is at winthrop that's that's right it hit me yeah he okay he's amazing and just if, if you want to talk to someone, I, I'm sure he would do it. He's amazing. That'd be great. That'd be great. Um, uh, your fast break, are you guys, you know, I mean, we like to push the ball hard down the sideline, get our post down low. What do you guys try yeah, to do? Yeah, we do that. We get it out. So we, we get it out and we get it up. <clears throat> we get out wide and up the side. And we have, we have guys not – we don't – you're not allowed to run. You have to sprint. So we have rules – in transition offense. Number one, sprint as fast as you can. Two, stay as wide as you can. And three, advance the ball as quick as you can. So it's not, it's not run hard. It's not, you know, stay kind of wide. It's not, you know, passive, you know, expeditiously. It's everything as fast as you can. Sprint as fast as you can. Stay as wide as you can. Advance the ball as quick as you can. My guys probably hear that in their nightmares. <laughs> sure and it, it sounds like to me you guys don't have your i think you said something earlier you can still be a great running program without having like tremendous athletes um i mean Absolutely. don't you agree you, you can make up everything with heart <laughs> and that that's our thing like if you got heart you could be a little bit less of an athlete i mean i, I love my players to death and for the last you know, we've won three out of four region championships and been a top five team in the state. And we've had some really good players, but we haven't always had the best athletes. But our players have heart. Right. That that carries yeah. over big time, particularly. Yes. Um, but you have to you have to really emphasize that as a coach. You can't expect kids just to have you got to really you got to really find yes, it. out yeah, of them, you right? got, Well, you've got to You got to put oh, it in. Yeah. Like it, it's got you got to ingrain it in their soul that when they think they're about to die, they've only given 40%. <laughs> and there's a lot more in the right. tank. And that's so, a yeah, good point. I, I do that. That's one thing we talk about. We study Navy SEALs and, you know, they have the 40% rule. When you think you're about to just completely give out and your body's going to shut down, you're only 40% done. You, you, can, you can always dig down deeper. I love that. I love that. That's pretty cool. Uh, Coach, talk about your defensive system on that. Um, Kind of help me out a little bit because we're a pressing team. I'm assuming I'm assuming <laughs> you are, coach. Now, if you're a half court team, man, I don't know if I can keep talking. <laughs> no, to you. no. But um, uh, but tell me what y'all do. Well, we and again, it kind of goes back to winning and entertaining, right? It's high school basketball kind of gets a bad rap because there's no shot clock. People aren't playing in a sense of urgency. So we want to speed up the game. We want to play fast. So yeah, we're we're definitely a pressing team. And our our presses <clears> we have. I have a very simple offense and a kind of complex defense. So we have different presses that we have that we can throw at you at different, different times. 
Uh, so we're not always full court. We'll, we'll full court, we'll full court, let you catch and trap. We'll full court, deny the inbounds pass. Um, we'll full court, man, we'll full court zone. Uh, we'll do the jumps, the old Dean Smith uh, run and jump. Uh, we'll have three quarter, <laughs> three quarter traps. Um, but yeah, it's, it, you know, all that stuff is teaching kids how to trap and how to, we don't even trap, we corral, we call it. But yeah, right. We, so we have a whole bunch of different traps and that's, that's why it all kind of plays together. It goes back to that communication. So my rule is you hear it once, you say it twice as loud as you can. <laughs> so cause right. we switch presses quick. We might go three quarter trap. We might go full court trap. We might be full court deny that all have different names. We have numbers that tell our players where we're going to trap. Once the ball handler gets to this part of the court, that's a certain number. We're going to trap that part. And really it's just to keep the offense. There's so many great basketball coaches that I try to take their, their coach out of the game. Like when you get to play against us, you're not going to get to coach your offense because even in the half court, we have half court jumps. We'll let you think we're not pressing. You know, you pass it two or three times and then we jump, we're in a trap. So it makes it hard to prepare for us. Let me, yeah, let me ask you that though. That's really interesting. Uh, what, I personally like to take the point guard out of the other team. It sounds so. Are you trying to do take out certain players or take out certain actions from the other team? It's a great question. Goes back to uh, the answer to most of life's questions. It depends. Um, <laughs> you you know, and it, it depends if their if their point guard is their main scorer or their only ball. Then we'll let him pass it and then we'll deny it back to him and make somebody else make a play if their point guard is kind of a more facilitating guard we'll let him facilitate and we're going to get their their leading score but then but then sometimes we just go all out we don't care who it is we're going to trap you until you shoot it or turn it over and we'll trap because a lot of teams will trap a couple times and they'll stop and go back and we do that sometimes too but it's really just to kind of give them the old Sugar Ray Leonard. We're just setting them up with the left so we can hit them with the right. So we'll, we'll trap, <laughs> trap, trap. They'll pass. We'll act like we're out of it. A couple of possessions later, trap, trap, trap. They pass. They think we're out of it, and we trap the whole possession. Right. You're showing them different looks. Um, and do you feel – I'll ask you a tough question. I think the girls' game is different than the boys' game. And a lot, some people will say, no, it's the same thing. Um, the girls – we try not to be too complex. Um, we try to run um, one particular defense, full court, half court, but we'll show them different types of looks. We don't change defenses that much. Um, so it sounds like to me, you're going to get some good players, some good coaches. You're trying to give them different looks. Is yeah. that? Yeah, is we're, that trying to, we're trying to throw them off. And, and, and I would say there's, you know, a definite difference between the boys and girls games and, players kind of in general and I think girls are awesome my brother is an amazing girls basketball coach in Georgia and you know we talk a lot throughout the season and there's a lot of similarities there's a lot of differences um but yeah I mean you're you're right on with with what you're saying but and I think another thing with trapping is a lot of girls are really good and eager to please their coach and you know a lot of guys think they know what they're doing they're going to figured on their own they've watched a lot of n1 mixtapes and youtube videos so that 
Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. They're going to go show the world they can score. But, um, and, and I may be a little bit off on that, but um, I, I think trapping, especially in the girls' game, would be huge. Tony, my brother did it. Tony did it. I know they trapped a lot uh, in their run to the state tournament this year. Yeah, he had a great year. And of course, you know, my goal is I got to get all three of you guys <laughs> on uh, in a Zoom meeting. That's my goal, get all three of you guys on in Zoom. I think. You and your dad will be fine. We got to get to- we got to get we, your Tony he's Jr. He's the silent man. genius, man. He doesn't say a whole lot, but he is so smart and knows basketball, knows how to motivate people, knows how to get the best out of them. But yeah, <laughs> uh, me and my dad can ramble a little bit more than he usually does. Yeah, yeah, and I uh, I, I did have a chance to speak to him a little bit. Uh, of course, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should try to scrimmage him uh, so he can get kind of an easy <laughs> win for him. Uh, he, he, <laughs> He does have a good team uh, coming back. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think I know they were very close. He's built a good program over there. Um, hey, talk about practice because I know you got to go. I know you're busy out there. And talk about your practice system and give me some of your best drills. Uh, our practices are like I'm 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 crazy. Like it's hard to explain, but I'm I'm nuts. Like our practices are planned to the minute. Uh, we'll leave a little bit of wiggle room. Um, but our practices are planned to the minute. And I honestly, I could, I'll, I can send you a picture of our practice plan. We have our, and I, and I keep every single practice. So the next year I know exactly like if we're on pace with where we need to be. So it kind of has like, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but I kind of coach the season backwards. So I go, okay, at the end of the season for us to be playing right at the right time, what do we need to have in weeks before the state tournament? What do we need to have in a month before? What do we need to have in for region? And then what are our essentials we have to have in at the beginning of the season? So I have all that. And then I break that down into each practice and our practice. We usually try to limit it to three main things. We're going to focus on that day. And it could be, could be anything. Um, You know, it could be, we're working on pressing habits before we even put in our presses, but learning how to trap uh, but we just break it down by the minute and I don't know, kind of hard to explain, but we, I spend probably more time planning my practices than the practices actually last. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, give me, uh, see, do you, and I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to figure it out a little bit. Are do you have like a basic structure of practice? You're going to do skills, all that kind of stuff, or does it change every practice? Uh, it, it changes in relationship to where we are in the season. Um, right. So, you know, I, we, we do, and I, and I work all off season and I don't do hardly anything with defense in the off season. So the off season is, is <clears throat> offense all the time because you want your team to have confidence in the offense if you put your defense in first, they're, they, they better be able to shut down your offense, right? And then the kids lose confidence in the offense. So I always want to have our offense in first, offensive habits in first, 
And then when practice really gets going, uh, we kind of have a, a, a defensive start to practice, which we do probably 75% of the time. And then we have an offensive start to a practice okay. that we do 25% of the time. So we want to start intense defense first for the most part. Um, and we have our defensive, we have our mass defensive drill that we do. Everybody has to say the verbals that we have with, you know, jumping to the pass, taking a charge, diving for the diving on the floor. We, we teach our guys the floor is friendly. You know, we line them up and, you know, teach them how to take charges, which, you know, it's funny. You have to break it down. I think a lot of people are like, box out, box out, box out. And you hear people yelling in the stands, but then you go, have we really taught him how to box out? Right. We say, <laughs> exactly. and I, yeah. I'm crazy. I learned from anybody. I went and I was walking through the gym like late one night, our volleyball team was practicing and our volleyball team was running this crazy drill where they were, they were doing this like slide pancake where they're trying to save a spike and their coach right. broke it down and taught them how to slide. And it hit me. I was like, I've never taught my players how to, how to dive for loose ball. So now we run drills and teach them how to dive for a loose ball instead of just, Hey, get on the ball. It's like, am I teaching every little thing? And I've, I'd coached for 10 years before I started teaching them how to dive. I just say, hey, go get on the floor, go get it. And now I go, okay. So what are your key concepts? Give me your key concepts for diving. For diving. So we want, yeah, <laughs> we, we break it down where you got to get, you got to get low and you got to get your chest parallel to the floor. So we want to, we want to kind of, it, it's hard to, ex, to explain, but so you got to get low. And you want to get your chest parallel to the floor and you dive to slide for the ball. You don't jump on the ball. So we do drills where we roll the ball and the players have to, they have to run. And as they're running, they have to get their hips low, push off their back foot. So their chest is parallel to the floor so they can lay out to dive for the ball. And they more kind of dive before it and slide into it instead of jumping on it. Okay. You know, there's always a freshman that's yeah, going to yeah. jump on the ball and, you know, puncture a lung or something. They're going to bounce right off it because it's not a football. That thing's right. round. So you got you to gotta get low, get your chest parallel to the floor, slide to go to lay out for it. Right. Yeah, I love that. And, and you're taking your charges. We call it a four-inch charge. Um, so we want the, the girls to get really, really low and protect. How do y'all teach charges? Well, I'm charges? kind of interested what a four inch charge is. What does that mean? Well, we try to get, basically we try to get, um, we try to get four inches oh, okay. low. So what I mean by that is four inches off the floor. So, I mean, we, we really we overemphasize it. Um, so we try to get as low as we can. Cause a lot of times people, when they take charges, they're really high. So we just call it a four, and I stole it from, stole it from uh, point guard college, but um, four inch charges means get really, really low That's off the great. ground. <laughs> um, and uh, we just call it a four inch charge guy. You know, I, I, that's the term, but, um, but we really have to teach them how to get really, really low. Cause that's yeah. for girls. That's hard yeah, to I do. Think that's hard to do for everyone. That's, that's basketball, right? Teaching people to get low. But yeah, exactly. That, that, that's <laughs> yeah, a, that's a skill. It's, it's tough to teach. But yeah, I, I love that. We, I've never used it. So there's probably another one I'm stealing from you. 
<laughs> so, hey, <laughs> no problem at all, good. But yeah, that, we teach um, them to, to stay low. That's kind of our main thing, right? You're in an athletic stance. You're not standing straight up. You're in an athletic stance, and you have to take right. it. You can't be falling early. You know, that's the refs. Refs don't reward. Uh, I got to watch my terminology. Refs don't reward people who are soft. Uh, um, right. But yeah, so, so refs reward people who are willing to take that hit. So you got you to gotta be low. You got to stay there. And then you got to take it. And we wanted to take it in the chest. You know, if you're, if you're taking on the side, they're probably going to call a foul on you. So we gotta, you got to get your, your shoulders in front. Right. So you're taking it right in the center of your body. And then you have to yell like you just got shot. And I think that's a big thing. Right. You have to, you almost have to make sure the ref knows that, that you got hit and kind of help them make the call. So we're low, stay straight up, take it, take it in the center of your body and then yell like you got shot and then get back up yeah. <laughs> in case they don't call it. Right. Right. Yeah, I love that. And do you, uh, I know it's tough. You, you can't work on charges all the time. Do you emphasize that every day or, or is it once no, a week? Or you, um, Usually we, we do it when we catch it on film, not happening in a game. So we'll, we have a couple, we have, we have different drills that m- may end in a charge. And then we have a drill that's just a straight up charge drill where you're, you're just getting hit. But you don't have to do it very much to get the point across. But it's, it's a safety thing. If you're taking a charge wrong, if you're already falling and they're in the air and you're undercutting, like people are going to get hurt if we don't teach them how to, how, like, you know, it sounds right. weird, but people get hurt if we don't teach them how to get hit. So right. yeah, we do it when we, at the beginning of the year. Uh, and then it's part of a few of our defensive warm up drills where we end it with a charge. And then kind of throughout the year, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. If we catch guys not, taking charges on film you know we'll line them up well we'll show them on film so they know why we're doing it and then we'll get to practice and we'll emphasize it again and it's just usually you just have to you know it's just kind of a wake-up call you don't have to do it every single day unless they unless they're really not getting it but usually you teach it and then just re-emphasize it as you need it yeah it's a great point emphasis (laughs) is the key right um and every coach has a different way to emphasize um Hey, hey, give me your um, give me your best practice drill. What 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 drill? If you had to pick one drill that you guys do, what is? It? Ooh, um, man, that, that that's a tough one because our 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 start of our defensive practices is it's a it's like four drills tied into one, and it's fifteen minutes, and we okay. go straight into our mass defense. It's four lines. And we go through the, the verbals, right? So it's the communication aspect. So they know, you know, what are you saying when the guy's dribbling? So it's the dribble to the side on a pass. What do you say on a pass on a shot? What do you say? It's a box out. It teaches all of the defensive stuff um, or all the defensive principles kind of in one drill. And then we go straight from that to like, okay, you know, you have to teach kids how to close out. Uh, So we have a closeout drill. Um, so we go straight from the, the communication drill to a closeout drill where they have to learn how to close out. Um, and then probably my favorite drill is called, uh, what do we call it? Concentration. And that's where you do all defensive things in one drill. One person does the whole drill. They have to close out, guard the ball, jump to the pass, deny a cutter, 
open up and be in pistols. <laughs> the balls skip. They have to get their feet outside the paint to stop penetration. Uh, the ball skip back. They have to take a charge. Then they have to get up and we roll the ball and they have to run and go die for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, and how many people do you have in that drill? You have like just one defender, we have, we three passers, a, a coach on each or, side. So, so we split the team into two groups and do it. We have one coach watching one group, another coach watching another. Um, and we have one. So you go from defense to offense. So after you go dive for that loose ball, you have to get back up because you're on offense to help the next guy through the drill. And what, what I love is I, okay, I, mean, I, I got I really you. Like yeah. it. it should sound like a bomb went off when our practice starts. I've had teachers complain because in, in Utah, we can practice during school. Uh, so like one of our class periods is a basketball class where we actually are practicing. It, it's amazing. Nice. But yeah, you know, I bless their hearts if their classrooms near the gym because we're going to be as loud as we possibly can in there. And so if you're, if you're, you have to do the drill and if you're not doing the drill, you have to be talking for the person that's doing the drill. So if you're, you go through it once physically, but you go through it once verbally, mentally eight times. Right, right. I love that. So you, if you're not actually in the drill, you are yep. talking the verbals or, t- or coaching them yeah, up. Yeah, I love that. that I love that. So you get to go through it with that person. And then it helps the kids that are new, you know, freshmen, sophomores that are new to the, the drills. They weren't in the practices last year. They can be in the back and they're talking. They're talking as the guy's going, they're learning it. And then they've done it mentally and verbally, you know, seven, eight times before they actually have to go do it physically once. And then when they're doing it, you have everybody else in the gym yelling for them and it helps kind of cue where they're supposed to be. Yeah, and I forget the coach that, that actually I remember that teaching that is doing something when you're huh. not doing anything. Um, and that's um that that that's great teaching because you're you're trying to get them you're 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 yeah. trying to build habits, and that's a great way to do. I really believe in that, particularly mm-hmm. with young kids. Um and I do a lot in my camps with that, like when they're not doing the layup, they're practicing yeah. the layup in absolutely because if not, they're gonna be thinking um, about you know, what happened in their third period class that day, or they're not going to be, you know, they're, they've already tuned <laughs> out. They, so that keeps yeah. them focused and concentrating on the entire aspect of the practice. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're, I mean, that's a big part of your philosophy is that concentration. I, I don't think we do enough of that as coaches. And it sounds like you're doing a great job of that. Hey, my last question is this, this is going to be a tough question for you coach. So I, uh, but uh, I have to ask it. You lost in the state championship game uh, to Murray no. High School. Am <laughs> I correct? Uh, we lost in the second round of the state tournament against Worse. them this year. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it. Okay, it, okay. I'm sorry. Um, so maybe I saw. I just saw that wrong. Okay. Um, what did you? What did you learn from that loss? And. What are you going to take from that loss to help you this season? Oh, man, that was a great question. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's a tough question because, you know, here we had we had two – we get to host the first two rounds of the state tournament, <clears throat> and we have the best home court environment in the state. Um, and I, honestly, I think I'm still trying to figure out the answer to that question because what I learned I already knew – but I've got to learn how to emphasize it better to my players. 
because we watched Murray on film. I watched a lot. Uh, their record was not spectacular, but they were. And so interesting. They started the season one in 11. And I don't know why injuries, wow. you know, maybe discipline issues. I don't know. But, but they had won 10 of their last 12 before we played them. So their overall wasn't great, but they were playing great at the right time. And I knew it was a very dangerous team. And I really did not do a great job making sure my players knew that. I mean, we, we watched film on them and I told them, I put hmm. up all their stats yes. and then I erased the first 10 games of the season. I go, okay, take that away. Now look at the we're playing now. We're not playing them in November. And I've got to do a better job of making sure my players know that every single game, every single team is big. And, and we have a thing we say all the time where every game is like you're going hunting. And when you're going hunting, we prepare for a bear. We're preparing to kill a bear. And then if a rabbit jumps out, we have a lot of, we have a lot of ammunition. But if we prepare for a rabbit <laughs> right. and a bear jumps out, we're in trouble. So we tell them we're preparing for right, a bear. Good point. And, and I didn't do a, a good enough job helping our players realize and understand that we were really playing a bear and it really wasn't a rabbit. They were a really good team. Um, I think we, we should have made it to the state championship this year. I mean, we had a top, we we're probably top two, three teams in the state. Um, but you know, those state tournaments, it's eating an elephant. It's one bite at a time. You can't just sit down and eat an elephant one night. So you gotta, you gotta take your time and focus on that next bite. And so I, I, that's, it's a great question because I still don't have the answer, but I promise you I'll have it figured out before we go into the next state tournament. <laughs> well, it it sounds like you actually do have the I mean, that man made a lot of sense. Um, and sometimes I'm assuming sometimes no matter what we do as coaches, because I've been there a million times, sometimes the players don't they, they don't accept. Yeah. Either they think they're better than what they are or they don't they don't. Uh, fear yeah. the opponent or respect the oh, opponent. Yeah. Not fear, but respect. Um, and I, I love and I've seen those, that so many times. Those, <laughs> so the, the um, black shoes with the white socks, you know, they're out there, but they're not going to do the moonwalk unless Michael Jackson. You, know, you still, you still got to go do the dance. Like that's right. Guys are sitting there thinking we could just go <laughs> through the motions and win, but you still got to go put the action and put the work in. Yeah, it's so true. And I'm sure you guys, you'll recover from that. Sometimes you have to, you have to take a hard loss and so forth to recover, but I know you got it going. Um, Coach, man, I really appreciate you joining me, man. You shared a lot about your program. There's going to be a lot of coaches. I know I wrote a lot of stuff. I, I, I think I had, a, I had to <laughs> no, get more I'm paper sorry, here, I Coach. Too much. I just, um, I'm passionate. I love it. I've learned from a lot of great people. So any chance I can get to talk, I'm, I love it. So I, thanks a lot for letting me do it. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed it. And what's the best way if a coach wanted to contact you? Um, now, I, I, unfortunately, I think you're going to have a lot of your opponent coaches <laughs> hey, listening to the podcast, man. Had, I had a play, uh, um, coach last year, and we run a very different defense in the half-court setting. And no people don't run it since like 1992. And he, he texted me one summer and was like, hey, uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird, but I, I want, want your thoughts on that defense. And my assistants get mad because I'm like, I'll give everybody, anybody that wants to learn. I'm just, I'm just passing on things I've learned from someone else, but I'll give it to anybody. So, yeah, 
Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> I might get a few more downloads in Utah there, man. So that, that's gonna be kind of cool. Uh, but I really appreciate you joining me, man. I got back to back angles on, man. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's right. Now, you gotta yeah, work I, on I, them, gotta work, work on your brother, man. Uh um, but how can anybody get a hold of you? What's the best way? Social yeah, media, um, email, probably, what's the best way? Probably just send me an email. Um is Ingle, so it's I Z Z I N G L E at gmail.com. All right, that's great. And I'll have all the information down on the website and the podcast. So uh people will love to get a hold of you. Coach, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Enjoy okay, yeah, the rest of the day Absolutely. there in Utah. I really appreciate you letting me do this. Okay. Okay. All right. All right, Thanks. coach. We'll Take care, later. man. Okay. Wish you the Bye. best. Thank you. All right. All right. See ya. Hey, coaches. This is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division I, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, Check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram.